Hello and welcome. This is episode 46 of the Friday Detox podcast today with your Monday morning message. We're going to be talking about freedom um, and something that I don't think a lot of people like to hear in that freedom is a privilege. And I'll, I'll explain that, um, that that thinking that went behind that, that title in just a second. But before we do that, I want to first encourage you, well, first thank you for listening to the podcast. For those of you who've uh, subscribed, who have uh, encouraged others to listen, I appreciate you. I see you. And uh, we can't do this without you. We can't grow without you. <clears throat> With that in mind, I want to encourage you to not only subscribe to the podcast, but uh, leave us a review, whether you're listening on uh, Google or Amazon Music or iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, or most importantly, in, in today's world of algorithms, Google and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. As we said last episode, if you if you want to just say it was all right, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I just, I want to see that you're listening. I want to see that you're appreciating enough to put your, put your voice out there. Uh, so subscribe, review, and uh, share. What falls in line with share is follow us at Friday underscore detox on Instagram is the, the place we're going to post the most content um, coming into 2022 as we really uh, ramp up our efforts uh, to, to spread the word. Uh, and then also if you're on Facebook, the Friday detox podcast is where you can find us. And so that's where we're going to post all of our new episode alerts. Uh, if you're not familiar with the schedule, uh, it's going to be Monday, Monday morning message. Friday is going to be the Friday detox where we talk about some uh, some politics stuff that's happened during the week and then we prepare to let it all go and enjoy the weekend. And now as we get into the show, uh, I'm going to play some audio. It's actually some old audio that I used in episode 43. It's been kind of a catalyst for me. There's there's a few things I can point to just in very recent history that has sent me down a path, uh, sent me on a trajectory and at a speed and a rate which I've never experienced before. I've, I've always been interested in radio, always been interested in podcasting and spoken word and thinking and getting my thoughts out there and balancing those thoughts off of other people to kind of see see what can hold up to the test of other people's input. Uh, and that's a terrible way to phrase that sentence, but it's early, so bear with me. Um, but here's some audio that I played episode 43 talking about uh, the, the merging of politics and air quotes religion. Um, that's been a theme in 2021 for me, the merging of my political viewpoints uh, regarding freedom, and then my spiritual and faith-based outlook on the word freedom. And to be honest, I hadn't really reconciled the word freedom to my faith, and doing so has been extremely impactful in how I see uh, my responsibility to to spread the good news and to, and to encourage people and to seize hold of my voice. So I, I hope it does the same for you. Here, Here's the audio, and then we're going to jump into this idea of freedom being a privilege. And the audio that you're hearing, this is Rob McCoy, who is the senior pastor of Godspeak Calvary Chapel of Thousand Oaks in California. This audio is from the Hold the Line podcast that I've brought up before on the show from Sean Fute, who is just doing amazing work in spreading praise and the gospel throughout the country and throughout the world. So take a listen to this. My mother used to say growing up, there's two things you don't talk about public, religion and politics. I'm the guy you don't invite to the dinner party. That's all I talk about. And they go together, hand in hand. And some of you go, no, they don't, Pastor. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. 
You just had your head in the sand. Get it out. We got a republic to save. And only immoral people can govern a republic. Where have you been? Calm down. <laughs> only immoral people can govern a republic. Aristotle said, politics is the highest form of community because it combines morality with sociability. And they've been feeding you poison. Oh, there's a separation of church and state. Politics is dirty. Yeah, so is the church. What's your point? <laughs> I'm tired of voting for the lesser of two evils. That's my favorite. I go, unless Jesus is running for office, you'll always be voting for the lesser of two evils. Again, what's your point? I mean, I love that audio from Rob McCoy. I really do, because it flies in the face. You know, I, I don't know... Um, you heard some of the groaning and, and some laughter, of course, from the audience as he's saying those things. And I have to imagine there was a lot of feelings hurt from that sermon. And, and, and rightfully so, because it's one of those just blatantly truthful, bluntly honest things to say that only a moral people can govern a republic. And that's going to be the theme of today's episode. Um, I titled the episode Freedom is a Privilege, and, and I, I want to be careful in, in saying that, because while I do believe it, I also believe 110% that freedom is a right, that freedom is a natural right, and you know, take our founding documents, it's, it's a natural right endowed upon us by our creator that no man can take away, because... I don't know if I've actually ever said this on the podcast, but one of my first, I guess, personal revelations in, in politics was the idea that if rights are endowed, are given by a creator, then no man has the, uh, the authority to take it away. Now, do, do humans um, put themselves into positions of, of power to where they can deny those natural rights to their fellow man. Absolutely. We've seen it through all, all throughout history. We're seeing it right now in, in our world and, and in our country. But do they have the authority to take those freedoms away? Absolutely not. That authority lies in the only one who can and who did give us freedom being our father in heaven, the creator of heaven and earth. So how then can I say freedom is a privilege? Freedom is a gift. Freedom is a privilege that was given to us by our creator. But we didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. And in fact, we, we constantly remind God of how my, maybe it was a bad idea. <laughs> you know, we're sitting down here and he's sitting up there. And, and well, that's a very humanized outlook on who God is and what he's doing with his time. But, uh, but you know, we're doing our thing and we're constantly just falling short of what it means to be free and, and using our freedoms and, and not taking them for granted, not abusing them. Um, and then aside from that, just having the, uh, the, the, what am I trying to say? Being worthy of freedom from the standpoint of, of using freedom to not only benefit ourselves, but to benefit our neighbor. Now you heard that phrase that only immoral people can govern a republic. That comes from a quote from John Adams, our second president, quote, our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people, end quote. I don't like pulling single sentence quotes, but 
That sentence basically says it all. The Constitution was meant for people who can govern themselves, and the only people who can govern themselves are a moral and religious people. But what does that mean? Does it, does it mean that you've got to believe in the same type of God or Jehovah or, or, or Christ or Messiah as, as I do? Absolutely not. Can you believe in Allah? Can I believe in God? And we, and we still agree to disagree and come together for the benefit of society? Absolutely. So it's not saying that we all have to believe in the same morals and believe in the same religious system. I don't think that's what they were saying at all. What I think they were saying is that however diverse this group of people are, if they can agree on a very foundational set of principles, then you can build from there. And so that's what we've always seen throughout American history, is we've always had certain principles like freedom of speech. Our, I mean, our, our Bill of Rights is based, it, it, it is our, our set of principles and how we treat each other, but, but more importantly, how we expect to be treated from those who we allow, who we grant the privilege to be in some sort of a position of power and influence and authority within our government. And I love how our founding documents are not just, okay, here's your power, but they're negative powers. It's, here's what you can't do. Because if it's said that, okay, the government's allowed to do this, well then that can be perverted and, and twisted and bastardized into whatever it is they want it to be. But if you say you cannot, you shall not do this, you shall not infringe on the American people's rights to keep and bear arms, there's no twisting that. Of course, we've found a way to twist that. Well, they didn't mean this type of weapon because obviously they, they had no idea that there could be automatic weapons way back then. And that's a whole other discussion. But back to principles, it, think about it like running a company. If you're running a business, you're, you're, you're starting a business, or you want to grow a business, you want to galvanize your, your workforce, what's one of the, the things that, that every major company, whether it's 50 to 100 employees or thousands of employees, you can go to their website and you'll find it. There's, there's a, a mission statement. There's a core values statement. And usually they're all very generic. And when, when you're working in HR, say, what are core values? You're like, oh my gosh, do we have to do this crap again? But it's there for a reason. Now, whether they actually hold up those values and principles and expect their people to live by them is, is a whole other thing. Sometimes I think it's a, it's a facade. It's a whole lot of lip service, but... If you, if you, let's take it down to our personal lives, our families. Um, I, I, I really do believe, and this is something I'm working on, that a family, particularly a family that is, go, is about to or already has children, and you're raising children, you're raising the next generation of American, it's important to have a mission statement, even as a family, I think. Is it the, this is, these are the principles that we are going to live by in this house. Now, you don't have to listen to the same type of music I do. You don't have to believe in the same God that I believe in, even husband to wife or father to child. I don't need my child to believe exactly the way that I believe. But in this household, there is a set of very specific principles 
how we treat each other, how we treat people who come into the home, how we listen to each other, how we spend our money, how we don't spend our money, how we take on debt. And I think it's, it's very important to introduce principles to people from a very young age because as we're going to see, a set of principles or a lack of is sort of a prerequisite for our ability to handle and cope with freedom. Our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Is America still a moral people? Well, let's go backwards. Was America a moral people back then? I know a lot of people immediately would jump onto the argument, well, they had slaves. So, of course not. A lot of people would throw everything the founders said and everything our country was built on because slavery existed back then. However, as I've said on the episode before, well documented, the founders knew that they had to come to terms with the abomination that was slavery. This abortion of justice that was slavery had to be dealt with if this country was to succeed. And so they built our founding documents, they built our constitution and our individual rights in such a way that slavery could be legally eradicated. The only reason that we were able to eradicate slavery in America and send shockwaves across the rest of the world was because of how our documents were framed. Not only from the standpoint of being able to be amended, but also the language they didn't include. Specifically, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I've said this before. You can look it up. It was supposed to be life, liberty, and the pursuit of property. Now, property is an extremely important uh, concept in our society and in our freedoms. And that's something I want to get into on another episode. And so it's something that a lot of the founders felt very strongly about. But they also knew that property included their slaves at the time, legally. And that and it would be a almost an insurmountable hurdle to 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 get over to get past in order to eradicate slavery so they changed it from pursuit of property to pursuit of happiness. It's very important. So is America still a moral people? If your answer is yes then we're good, right? I would argue we're not that if we can agree on yes we're still a moral people, I would argue we're not heading in the direction of more morals we're at least heading away from morals being the focus. But many, and, and I'm leaning this direction, would argue that America is not a moral people, generally speaking. The principles that, that we have fallen back on that have united us in, in years past, uh, 9-11-2001 comes to mind. Uh, where 9-12, we, 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 we forgot about so much. And people just hopped in their car and drove to get to New York City, to get somewhere where they could donate blood. Um, people broke rules, broke laws in order to get into New York to help with the rescue um, mission. If you haven't heard the story of the, of the, the bullhorn speech with George Bush when uh, the, the people uh, kind of gathered around him and he, he's got his bullhorn and there's another dude there holding a flag 
and uh, the the famous the famous moment when people said we can't hear you, and George Bush shouts back, "Well, I can hear you." And the people who knocked these building downs are going to hear all of us soon. It was a very uh, iconic moment, and uh, the the uproar that 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 followed that statement, the the ch- the shouts of USA was so galvanizing, and I think not only people there, but people who saw that at home felt that sense of community, that sense of unity that we're constantly striving for in a constitutional republic. It's like when a secular artist that you you, you don't know if they're Christian or not, but then they say something like, well, I feel really blessed about this. And you're like, oh, maybe they're a Christian. You know, it, it was that moment that you're always looking for just a little bit of uh, reassurance in, in what it is you're doing, reassurance in the mission. But now we, we lose sight of those moments of unity. We lose sight of those 9-12 moments. And increasingly, it, it seems we're losing those, those galvanizing, uniting principles that we've always fallen back on. One of them, I would say, that is actually on the rebound, and we talked about it uh, last Monday, or actually, I'm sorry, last Friday, on the Friday Detox, was, is uh, abortion. I'm I'm hearing a lot of stuff that this is gonna this is looking to be a six three Supreme Court vote to overturn Roe v Wade. And there's a lot of negative implications are going that are going to come from that uh, in terms of I think people um, will say protesting, uh, mostly peacefully protesting, and we all know what that looks like. Um, so there's I think there will be fallout, but it's encouraging to see a realignment towards the principle of choosing life over death, always erring on the side of more life, not more death, even for the sake of so-called freedom, to error on the side of more life. Now, I need you to, uh, again, bear with me. I need to take a sip of my coffee. Shout out, I haven't done this in a while, but shout out Black Rifle Coffee at BRCC on Instagram. They've always got some awesome content. And of course, the freshest, most American cup of coffee you're ever going to get. They're not a sponsor. I just got to throw that out there. I love their stuff. Ah, fantastic cup of coffee. Um, so now moving, moving on somewhat. So I pulled, pulled this, the quote from John Adams from the, uh, what's it called? LibertyFund.org. That's where I'm getting this information. They went on to say in that article, quote, Adams and many others believed that in a society riddled with vices, the various mechanisms created by the Constitution would not be able to function properly with the result that the Democratic-Republican order would be eventually supplanted by despotism. Now, if you're like me, I had to do the little, uh, on my MacBook, the little firm press to figure out what despotism even meant. <laughs> I'd heard the word, but I had no clear understanding of what it meant. Despotism um, is essentially absolute rule. So Adams feared, and many of the signers of the Constitution, or the Declaration of Independence, really believed that in a society again, quote, riddled with vices, end quote, that the Constitution wouldn't function properly because there would be this focus on personal gain or personal well-being over 
being all you can be for the benefit of society according to your terms. And that's an important, um, important caveat there that I'm going to touch on in a second. So the fear was America would fall from ultimate freedom into a population ruled and controlled under absolute power. So back to the, to the title of this episode, freedom being a privilege, where do I, where am I getting that from? I think freedom is a privilege given to us by God that we only can keep and maintain and somewhat deserve on a human level if we're right with God. And the less right we personally and our society as a collective becomes, the less we deserve freedom. And and really, the the point I'm trying to make is freedom becomes self-destructive at that point. Freedom is a human right. But at what point is individual freedom detrimental to that individual? I wrote a paper back in college called The Freedom to Fail. My, my professor hated it. <laughs> that was hilarious. The, the look on her face as I read that in front of the class was priceless. Um, but the freedom to fail, and again, one of those, those moments that I, I was discovering through the great one, Rush Limbaugh, um, discovering what I believed. And, and he was a great one to, to teach me uh, via radio because it was always, um, don't just take my word for it. What do you believe? What, what is your personal creed? What are your personal morals and principles? And I loved that. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's something that I would, no matter how or what I'm speaking on, I would always encourage you to follow your own set of morals and principles, not just my own, uh, but do it in an honest way. You know, I, I'm not going to believe that abortion is wrong just because that's how it was raised or that's what seems cool with, with society. What do I actually believe and why do I believe it? Back to freedom. At what point is freedom now a loaded gun in the hands of a child? I would argue that 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 occurs when the individual is no longer capable or willing to keep himself in check or herself or, you know, you used to be able to be okay with just, well, him or her, you know, we got to acknowledge the, the hims and the hers anymore. It's just, it's a, it's a fool's errand to try to, to reconcile yourself with society when it comes to gender. Uh, so I'll, I'll just settle with him or her. Um, when morals and principles though, when, when morals and principles have been forsaken in favor of vice personal gain and the lack of empathy for our fellow human, that's a big one. Lack of empathy is is my biggest indicator when I look at society right now and and just my outlook on freedom and uh, an American society. What scares me the most is the lack of empathy. When you, you watch videos of somebody getting mugged or a fight turning into a knife fight or a gunfight, if you stop and look, there's 15, 20 people standing around and all of them have their cell phones out taking video. We're just, we're watching these terrible things happen and we're not stepping in to defend anybody. It's a lack of empathy. It's a lack of give a damn towards our fellow citizen. But more important than empathy is the willingness to act and sacrifice for our neighbor in need. Back to the example of people pulling out their cell phones. If you were to ask any of those people, you know, what, what do you think what, about what you just saw? What's your reaction? Oh, it was terrible. It was so sad. That poor person, that, that poor child, that poor woman, 
Well, why didn't you do anything? Empathy without the willingness to act means nothing. It's like people have a big beef with thoughts and prayers. Well, I'm sending thoughts and prayers. What does that do? In, in the spiritual realm, it's the only thing you can do. But in the physical realm, I get it. Thoughts and prayers aren't, aren't going to bring somebody's house back that was burned to the ground. What will, the action that will is donating money or starting a GoFundMe or getting in league with that person's church and saying, hey, this is a person within your congregation in need. Let's fulfill this need. Let's act and sacrifice to benefit our fellow neighbor. So it's twofold. There's the spiritual side and the physical side. But it's tough to be a good neighbor when we're locking ourselves away from each other. And that, to me, that's been the saddest reality of 2021. It's been this people who I never thought would have... Um, I guess, given in to the virus are the ones staying home from church. They're the ones who are that are pushing family members away out of fear of a virus. And I get it. I do. But at the same time, I don't. It makes me so sad. And so it really, honestly, makes me angry that it is so easy to scare us away from each other, to scare us into isolation. You know, a lot of people think that uh, at some point in American history that this dystopian future is going to be that if you don't believe what the state believes, the big S state, the government believes, that you're going to be killed. I don't believe that. People were allowed to say whatever they wanted to say behind the Berlin Wall. And so what we're seeing is a segregation of voices. You can say whatever you want on Twitter, but if you're shadow banned, if you're digitally muted, nobody's going to hear except the people who already agree with what you're saying. You're now treated as, as almost like a virus that's going to be... Um, Oh, what's the word? Crap. I hate when I do this, man. Um, quarantined. You're now a virus that's going to be quarantined away from anybody else who might potentially get infected with your uh, outlook on freedom or your outlook on uh, political, po some policy that's going through or whatever it might be. So I don't believe that it's going to be as clear cut as, oh, you're silenced, you're killed. You're going to be able to say what you want to say, but nobody will hear. And we're feeding into that. We're making it so easy on them because we're segregating ourselves. So when I say these things like freedom is a privilege and it, it should be used to the benefit of all society, I, I can hear the conservatives and the, the America people, the MAGA people saying, you know, oh, that's that's socialism. That's that's communism. That's Marxism. The benefit of all society. Workers unite. That's Marxism. So there's this stigma from the conservative right towards what's best for society. Quote. 
When Dems use that phrase, conservatives finally find their voice and they scream socialist Marxist, but isn't the success of society at large a part of the goal? A part of the mission? Is the freedom movement purely personal freedom? Is the only freedom that we're supposed to care about is our own freedom? Of course not. Speaking from our founding documents, no. The system is to benefit all Americans. The government is given power by the governed, not a a single person. It's the collective. We come together every four years and vote for that executive branch leadership. We have other elections for more local. We have elections for Congress. We elect the people who are going to appoint one of the, the people who go to the, to the Supreme Court. We do these things as a collective, so of course the collective is the focus. But the difference in philosophies from left to right, this is extremely important, and I, I hope you, you take this to heart. The difference in philosophies from left to right is not should we focus on the greater good. It's how do we focus on the greater good, by choice or by force. So let me say that a different way. Do we encourage people to start businesses and pay their employees a good livable wage and provide benefits and things like that by easing up on the taxation? So now they have extra dollars to do those things that naturally the the free market wants to do because a player in the free market is the worker. So the worker does have a say. I can go work at this company, but they don't have 401k matching. I'm going to go to this company who's going to pay me, I don't know, a dollar less an hour, but they've got 401k matching. You have that freedom and those, those, that mobility within the free market. And, and as the biggest resource in the free market being human labor, you have a lot of power. Or... Do we now force companies to provide those benefits? So now just blanket across the board, same benefits, same health benefits, all these things, to where now the companies don't have a say. They have to do that. Which works out best? That's a different argument for a different day. But it's it's a clear-cut difference in philosophies. Choice or force? Now, the the pro-choice side, the pro-freedom side will say, sure, we can focus on the greater good, but who's to say what the greater good is? And that, that is the struggle we find ourselves in closing out 2021, heading into 2022. This new freedom movement is, don't tell me I have to believe in this because you are science, Dr. Fauci. I don't know if you've heard that audio. In fact, I think you should hear that audio. Um, Let's listen. Dr. Fauci talking about I am science. Is that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. There's a face. There's a vice you can recognize. You see him on television. So it's easy 
to criticize, but they're really criticizing science because I represent science. In the name of the Galactic Senate of the Republic, you're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? The Senate will decide your fate. I am the Senate. Not yet. All right, there you have it. Um, I just happened to pick a video on YouTube that had the Star Wars scene. Am I the only one who thinks it's kind of weird that Samuel L. Jackson was in those uh, Star Wars movies? What is it? Episodes 1, 2, and 3? Um, not the best work, but anyways. So, Fauci says, disagreeing with me is like disagreeing with science because I represent science. Um, well, just replace science with anything like, uh, oh, I don't know, God disagreeing. Imagine, just imagine if a pastor out there, and I'm sure there's a pastor out there saying this because there's douchebags everywhere. I'm sorry. I know. I asked my, my father what he thought about the podcast the other day. And he's like, well, you know, you make some good points, but the, the, the one thing I'd say is, uh, stop cussing so much. And it, I don't, cussing these later episodes back in the earlier episodes i was a little bit more angry and uh frustrated with the political system and i was feeding into that so it was not a good situation keep that in mind if you do listen to the earlier episodes uh, i'm in a much healthier place <laughs> mentally right now but anyways i'm sure there's the pastor out there saying arguing with me is like arguing with god because i represent god we would all see that as a very archaic way of, I mean, that's the Roman Catholic church way back when, you know, God wills it. If God wills it, then who are you to not do it? And so we've got this new pseudo God called science, where if you disagree with air quotes, settled science that you're, they, they, they talk about it the same way a religious person would talk about blasphemy. Like, Oh, how dare you? How dare you disagree? How dare you even think about disagreeing with Tony Fauci? And it's just amazing that he's able to to cross that that mental bridge and uh, utter those words. But anyways, so back to the philosophies of of choice or force. We see now what side of that that fence. Tony Fauci lives on. He lives on the side of, I represent this, therefore, if you attack me, you're attacking what I represent. As if he's the only one out there who's got any sort of scientific knowledge to represent the scientific community. It's amazing. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. So, I got to keep going. Um, so now, personal morals, principles, they become less about me being a good person if we're focusing on how our actions affect positively or negatively society at large, these things that we do, these principles that we believe in, they become less about us and more about being our best to contribute an honest maximum to society. But really, I don't think we need to focus on society at large. I think we need to focus on our individual communities we need to focus on our school systems. We need to focus on the poor or the homeless within our own communities. And if we can all positively just affect our small little piece of earth that we live on, well, then everybody benefits. Everybody. 
But, it's a big but, and my closing thoughts is this, how, how this need to live moral lives impacts not only our personal lives, but those who witness us. So instead of focusing on big society or local communities, focus more specifically on those who might be watching us. I've said before how we're all influencers to some degree, big or small. You might have a couple hundred followers on whatever platform that you're, you're using to get your thoughts and feelings out there, if you are. Or you, your influence may just be your family. Your sphere of influence may just be your coworkers, people in your department at the company that you work at, or just the people who work the same hours as you. It can be as simple as that. But we all are, we have influence. And that seemed pretty cool to me um, until I read 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And this is something I'd never read, and it's something I really need to dive into a little bit more. Um, and so if y'all have got any insight or some thoughts on this, I would I would welcome it 100% because this is this takes personal freedom and stacks it up against personal responsibility in the way that's pretty damning. Um, I won't speak for you, but me personally, I felt very convicted by this chapter. So I'm just going to read it all to you. Uh, This is 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. So, backing up a little bit, I think I mentioned this before on another episode, but this is uh, Paul, and he's talking to the church at Corinth. That's what these these books of the Bible are, this 1st, 2nd Corinthians. These are letters that he's written to these churches that he's helped establish now that Christ has left. Christ charged his disciples with spreading the good word, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and creating disciples out of everybody else. So that's where we get the foundation of the church, the Christian church, focused on Christ Jesus. So he's writing to the church in Corinth, and you know he starts out, I love Paul, he's very diplomatic, he starts out, y'all are doing this, this, and this, just great. Y'all are awesome. Y'all are such cool people. You're doing this. You helped this person out. Great. Y'all are awesome. I, I basically have nothing negative to say, but, and then he gets into some of the the tweaking, you know, like they've lost their way a little bit. I got to correct them a little bit, bring them back onto the path. And so that's where we're at. And it, it kind of seems like he had a, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, an, an answer or, or question hotline for these people. Um, and they asked him questions. So now he's responding and saying, well, here's what I think y'all should do in this regard. Okay, so back to chapter 8. Regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols. Yes, we know that, quote, we all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. And that, that verse confused me, but then the next one kind of sums it up. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much, but the person who loves God is the one whom God recognizes. And the, the subnote for the word recognizes, where they try to equate modern day language to the original Hebrew, some manuscripts read the person who loves has full knowledge. And so he's saying that people who say that they know probably don't. But if you love God, the person who loves God is the, the one 
whom God recognizes, aka God gives full knowledge to. So once again, love is the center of everything in the Bible, and I love that. Moving on, though. So what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? So they would sacrifice an animal to the idols. And to um, Old Testament, they'd offer up a spotless lamb. Um, Jesus Christ, New Testament, fulfilling that being our spotless lamb for all eternity. But they also had other gods. Back to the verse, uh, back to uh, verse 4. We all know that an idol is not really a god and that there is only one god. There may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, there is one God the Father, by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. So, about to make my point here, starting with uh, verse 7. However, not all believers know this. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Choking myself up over here. However, not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods, and their, and their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, food offered to idols. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. So basically, the way I read this, and again, anybody listening, if you've got a different phrasing of this, or if I'm misunderstanding, please tell me. Uh, Friday underscore detox on Instagram, send me a direct message, info at crossandmusket.com, send me an email. Um, but the way I read that is, who cares? We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything we do, so it's not a big deal, right? But, and, and, and backing up, the way I read that, that prior paragraph was, it doesn't affect my conscience. So right or wrong, I, I would say it, it, it doesn't matter. Doing it doesn't change anything positive or negative. Not doing it doesn't change anything positive or negative. So who cares? It's not a big deal. And, and so when I read that paragraph the first time, I'm like, oh, so if my conscience is clear, it must be okay to do, right? And that fed into an idea of a personal relationship with God. And our conscience, spiritually speaking, is the Holy Spirit that God gave us to say, hey, don't do that. And that's where we get that just instinct, instinctive right and wrong, knowing what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. Uh, from the Holy Spirit. It gives us promptings and nudgings like, hey, stay away from that. So I'm thinking, oh, personal relationship with God. There may be something that uh, one person can do that makes them feel guilty or, or creates a rift between them and God that may not do the same in my relationship with God. And I, and I think that that's true. I stand by that. Um, we really do have a personal 100% personal relationship with God. And so I think there's, there's things like, obviously not like murder, but there are things in, in how we treat people or, or I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into specifics and, tr and get us hung up on specifics, but I do believe in a personal relationship between you and God, where there is something that you could do 
but you don't feel bad about it. And you can pray on it and pray on it and, and find a way to feel bad about it. But if it doesn't violate your conscience and it doesn't create a rift between you and God, then I don't see any reason to abstain from it. But, and this is the but that I wasn't counting on, I made all of that up in my head and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. And then I got to verse 9. But you must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. For if others see you with your, quote, superior knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, won't they be encouraged to violate their conscience by eating food that has been offered to an idol? So because of your superior knowledge, a weak believer for whom Christ died will be destroyed. And when you sin against other believers by encouraging them to do something that they believe is wrong, you are sinning against Christ. So if what I eat causes another believer to sin, I will never eat meat again as long as I live, for I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. And that was the convicting part. That was the part where, wow, I discovered there's maybe this thing that I, I felt weird about it f- at first, but then it was more because, well, I, maybe I felt like I was supposed to believe it was wrong, but maybe it's not actually wrong. And the Bible t- here is telling me whether you feel it's wrong or not is kind of besides the point. If others see you doing that thing, what does that mean for their relationship with God? Are you now endorsing something? that might cause a rift between God and somebody else. So bringing that back to morals and principles, that's the, that's the, the importance of principles. Is, is it something that we can all agree on? This is right and wrong, period. And then the morals help guide us throughout life as we, uh, we attempt and we approach different things, different uh, policies or different freedoms that we want to, to have. How does that line up, morally speaking, with our foundational principles? And, and personally speaking, individually speaking, what I do behind closed doors may not necessarily be something I need to do out in the open because it might tempt or encourage somebody else to forego their, um, their conscience, their principles, and it might cause them to sin in their own heart against God. And so what that means for for this episode and freedom being a privilege is freedom isn't just a privilege or a right. It's a responsibility. Being a moral person doesn't elevate you in any sort of way. What it does is it, is it puts a great burden on your shoulders to now you've placed values, you've placed value in these morals and you've got to live up to them, especially if you're on any sort of um, public stage or you, you really are trying to influence other people. Um, there's a whole lot more weight now placed on those little things that you do that others see, even when you don't plan on others seeing it, there's a lot of weight. And so with that, I'm going to cut you loose here. Um, I encourage you to be a moral person. And in so doing, 
decide what it is you believe in. Really decide. As far as morals go, you can kind of look at it as like a buffet. What is it that you really believe in? What is it that you really place value in? What is it that you believe could improve your world and the world at large, positively or negatively? And a lot of people don't like that concept of a, of a buffet for morals. But I, I, and maybe this is just me speaking, but I really do see it as you got to start somewhere. You got to believe in something and then grow from there. So I'm not saying the buffet is the end. It's just the beginning. Just start. What do I believe in this uh, discussion or argument or, or issue that we're experiencing? Decide what you believe in and why you believe it. Because only then, only when you really know what it is you believe in, can you honestly have an open mind to then grow from there? This is what I believe and here's why. But continually being curious, not closing off and saying, well, it's settled. Principally speaking, yes, you can be decided. But how those principles affect smaller issues, it's important to know what you believe, but then also have an open mind. Because that open mind, it's not just so you can change your mind. It's so that you can hear and accept and really value other people's perspectives and vice versa. So when two people come together with opposing views, or just maybe not even opposing, but differing views, they can kind of feed off of each other and say, well, I haven't really thought about it from that perspective. I might incorporate some of that into now my personal philosophy. And I think that that's just basic human growth. But what we're seeing in today's world is a closing off of that. The people who were shouting at Christians for being closed-minded hypocrites are the ones who are closing their minds and their hearts to anything that disagrees with them. Be it the, the science, or be it um, uh, the abortion argument. People have closed their hearts off to any sort of argument that challenges what they believe in. Because as we talked about in uh, episode, uh, what is it, 43, I think? We talked about um, personal identities and our identities being in Christ. And it's so difficult to have an identity in Christ because that means trusting in him for a new identity and having the courage to forsake an old identity. And that's where we're at. People are, have their identities wrapped up in their political beliefs. And, and so they're, they're, they're white knuckling it. You know, I, I got to hang on to this because that's who I am. And that's my sphere of influence. That's the only reason I've got this little group of friends over here is because we're, we're activists for this cause. That's not real friendship. That's not real community. It's just political activism. And that's one of the things that just a, a semi-strong cultural wind comes in and, and those things get blown away and scattered to where nobody even remembers them. It's the principles that everything is built on that stand the test of time. So be a moral person. You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to believe in Jesus. You don't have to believe anything close to what I believe. I think having morals will eventually kind of push you in that direction. But that aside, be a moral person. Decide what you believe in. Have an open mind. And throughout the entire thing, 
have empathy for people. And that empathy will allow you to grow into a kind person. So if you've got uh, questions or, or thoughts about anything we talked about today or um, ideas for another another spin on this or another episode we can do, uh, send us an email. That'd be the, the best way for me to just keep it organized. DMs get cluttered. So if you just send me an email, info at crossandmusket.com. All spelled out, C-R-O-S-S-A-N-D-M-U-S-K-E-T.com. Info at crossandmusket.com. I'll, I'll get your email. And we'll go from there. And uh, on top of that, you know, if I was doing any of this without the focus being Jesus, it'd be for nothing. And so as I close, and I encourage you to be a kind person, um, and, I, and I take that with, with the full sincerity of it in, in that I need to also be a kind person. Um, if you got questions about, about faith or a lack of faith or a hurt from your past that has impacted your faith or lack of um, send me an email about is that as well because I do want to encourage you um, to have faith to be a faith person to be a faith-based person to be a spiritual person and um, I, th- I think that venturing down that path you'll see a very big change not in your life necessarily but in your outlook on life and your ability to cope with life's uh, the arrows and the, the stones that life throws at us on a daily basis now. Um, faith is the only only reason I'm still here to, uh, to endure those things. So I want to do it with you and I want to encourage you as you go through life's ups and downs. So again, info at crossandmusket.com and uh, be kind to each other. And I'll see you back here on Friday. I've got a great Friday detox for you on Friday. And uh, yeah, have a great week. Be successful, claim success, claim growth, claim prosperity for yourself and for your family, and just do all things for the glory of God. And I, and I truly believe that that will, that will send you on a path to prosperity, and you'll care less and less about the prosperity because it's no longer about you. Um, that's that's going to be another Monday sermon. I'll let you go, guys. Uh, take care. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to uh, subscribe and, and rate the show on uh, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Find us on Instagram and on Facebook, the Friday Detox on Facebook, at Friday underscore Detox on Instagram. I'll see you on Friday. Take care.